Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted. Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902-499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again. What's going on, everybody? Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to episode 68 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. A few things to get a touch on before we get to the OTC Player of the Week. Uh, first, big congrats to friend of the show, Kaylee Rafter, on being appointed the new head coach of the Canadian Women's National Team. Kaylee will be taking over from uh, Halifax native Mark Smith, who served as head coach for 12 years and recently retired following the Olympics in Tokyo. Gotta say, Softball Canada made the right choice here. Uh, I have no doubt Coach Rafter is the perfect replacement and uh, we'll have these athletes in top form moving forward. Congrats again, Coach. Also, congrats to the Brookfield Elks on uh, winning the second straight Shooters Bar and Grill Fast Pitch League Championship after a 3-0 series sweep over the Halifax Bandits. Another friend of the show, Justin Schofield, he led the way taking home playoff MVP honors. Other league award winners announced were Miles Caldwell of the Shuby Lions taking home the regular season hitting title, batting a fantastic 4-12. And to uh, 17-year-old Brody Frazier of the Kenny Gaines team who took home not only the top pitcher in the regular season, but also most valuable player. I'm telling you right now, any ISD teams that are looking for some someone with versatility in their lineup, Brody is definitely a guy you should put on your radar immediately. Guy has a bright future in the game. On to this week's OTC Player of the Week, and we're heading to Missouri as Madison Hoffman takes home the weekly honors. Madison came through in the clutch in a big way on Saturday as she hit a walk-off three-run bomb with two outs in the bottom of the seventh to lead the Blue Springs South Jags softball team to the district championship. If you haven't seen the video, check out our Twitter page for the magic moment. Great job, Madison. Such an awesome moment. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with Brown University alum and Canadian Olympic bronze medalist, Janet Leung. Janet's had a fantastic career today and is still going strong. She got her start with the Canadian Junior National Team before heading to Brown University for four years, where she would start in all 151 career games. From there, Janet would join the Canadian Women's National Team, where she has captured a 2018 WBSC bronze medal, a 2019 Pan Am silver, and most recently an Olympic bronze medal in Tokyo. We're going to talk to Janet about getting her start in the game in Ontario, her time at Brown, the thrill of being named to Team Canada, and of course that Olympic bronze medal win and much, much more. Janet was an absolute treat to chat with, and I'm sure you're all going to enjoy this episode. With that being said, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I've got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that?
All right, here we go. Janet, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to finally be on this podcast after listening to a lot of my teammates be oh, on it. That's awesome. I love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> How are things going up in Ontario? Things are going well. Um, I think it's a little different right now just because we're not training. Um, and I think I'm just really taking some time off after coming back from the Olympics to really recharge and um, just take some time away from softball at the moment. Right on. You're in Mississauga, correct? Uh, yeah, currently I'm in Toronto, um, but still, yeah, in that GTA oh, okay. area. It's, for us down here, it's like one big area. So <laughs> Mississauga, <laughs> Brampton, all the same. All the same, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So have you, have you had much downtime since you got home from Tokyo? Yeah. Um, I guess that like first month since I was back, it was just all downtime, which was really different because I think for the past four years or five years, it's pretty much been go, go, go all mm. the time. And so it's definitely different um, being back and not just training and like being busy with things. But um, for the most part, yeah, it was just downtime celebrating with um, family, friends and just kind of catching up since we were gone since March. And with the pandemic and everything, I feel like it was just um, a lot of people to catch up with. Right. Oh, no doubt. Imagine there's a ton of people you had to catch up with. <laughs> now, now, I did see on uh, one of your social media posts that uh, you got to be part of an opening pitch at the Blue Jays game about a month ago. Yes. Yeah, that was an awesome experience. Um, they invited us down and uh, it was just so cool to be on the on the field and being able to throw out the first pitch. But um, it was nice because... I wasn't the one throwing out the first pitch. Jenna Kyra um, had the honors of throwing out the first pitch. Um, and she actually like windmill pitched a softball in. So it was pretty cool to to be there and support her. But it was also just really nice to have that experience, but not have all the nerves that comes out with uh, throwing the first pitch. And um, But yeah, she rocked it, yeah. uh, threw a strike it. And yeah, it was a really cool experience. So who was all with you? I, I know, I think it was you, Nat, Jenna, Erica. Yeah. That, yeah so was Melissa me, there? Nat, yeah. Uh, Coach Mel was there. Um, Coach Chris Jones was also there. Um, so there was the the six of us. Oh, okay. Right on. Well, it makes sense that Jenna would throw the, throw the first pitch then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So did you get to like mingle with anybody, like any of the Jays or anything while you're there? Or? Um, unfortunately not. We did get there a little bit earlier and we we're just hanging out um, on the sidelines and kind of Jenna was doing her warm up pitches because she was like, I really need to throw a strike and to represent <laughs> Of course. Softball community well. Um, but unfortunately, well, I guess we met Danny Jansen. Um, he was the one that caught Jenna. Oh, okay. first. So we kind of had like a really brief chat afterwards. But um, yeah, I, I wish I was able to meet like Vladdy oh. or Bo. Oh, that would have been really cool. I know. I'm a huge Jays fan. Like I'm like I'm an insane Jays, Jays fan. So that would be amazing. Vladdy just, you know. Uh, he comes across as, you know, he, he won't speak English in his interviews, but you see little, uh, sound bites where he can speak English. So I, I think it'd be pretty cool to sit down and, you know, just, you know, talk to him. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Especially like with them knowing that we're softball players and like them, like just knowing the game, it would yes. be cool to kind of chat with them. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. So has it sunk in yet that you're an Olympic medalist? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, but no, I feel like still like when I'm seeing people and like showing them the medal or just like talking about the journey, I think it's still a little bit surreal that that just happened this past summer. Hmm. Um, 
So I feel like it's like slowly starting to sink in. Um, but I think it's still a lot to process, like the whole entire journey, um, the extra year, all the obstacles that we had to go through and like just dealing with COVID and, um, yeah, I think just reflecting on the past four years, like we put so much work and like time into it. And then now all of a sudden it's just kind of mm. over, like that chapter is over. So it's just still a little bit surreal that, um, we finally accomplished that and did it. And like the journey, that journey is over. Um, so it's, yeah, still taking a little bit of time to, to fully sink in. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the, the whole Olympic thing here in detail later on, but, uh, First, if uh, you listen to the podcast, so you know about quick pitches. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some random questions to you, and uh, and you answer them as best you can. Okay, I will try. All right, first one, best place you've ever traveled to. Best place I ever traveled to, um, I think softball or like life wise um, is Japan. We had. Um, we were fortunate enough to go there a couple of times or for me personally, a couple of times before the Olympics and kind of get a lay of the land, get used to the climate there and just like the food and, um, just get more familiar with that place, um, in preparation for the Olympics. And, um, I just love a, I love Japanese food. Mm. Um, so like just being there and like being able to experience all the fresh sushi, like all the good Japanese food was awesome. And um, also like the people there are just the nicest humans ever. Like I remember the first couple trips we went there, um, just like walking around town, going to shops and um, sometimes like getting lost and not knowing where to go and just trying to ask for directions. And like, although there's a um, language barrier. They were so helpful and like willing to, to help us. And they're just always so welcoming and happy to share their country and like share their world with us. And, um, I would say just also playing in front of the fans there, like when we were able to play our world championships there in 2018, just like the Japanese people, they love their softball. So it was just really cool to, to be in that environment and play in front of, um, the crowds. Awesome. Actually, you just actually reminded me of something you said about the fresh, the fresh, like I'm trying to say an F word. <laughs> actually, I should tell everybody about this. I had dental yeah. surgery, so I can't say F words right now. Anyway, you said about the, the sushi there. Um, I love sushi. So I noticed when, when you guys were there, did you guys get like like sushi every day at the Olympics or like something like, but like I'm trying to remember back now. I like, um, we, well, when we were in, so we were in Anjo city, um, which was outside of Tokyo just in preparation. So like three weeks before the Olympics. Right. Um, and when we were there, the, the restaurants of Anjo city, like each meal they would cater us and like, they're awesome with just providing us like really high quality food and like putting a lot of love and care into these like bento boxes. Yes. And, um, it was just like, I just love the experience of eating a bento box with just like how nicely it's put together. But then also the fact that there's just like a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so you get a taste of everything. And, um, so when we were there, there, I think there were like a couple of times we were able, um, to have sushi, 
for our meal, which was awesome just because I know a lot of us miss just going to to restaurants and having like all the fresh, fresh sushi. Yeah. Um, but once we were in the Olympics, it was a little, uh, more limited, I guess, with the food op or no, it's not limited in food options, but like limited with like fresh sushi. Right. Right. Like there's right. still like, um, a little bit of options with sushi, but, um, for the most, I think that's just, I don't know if it's expensive or, um, just not as popular, but there's still like awesome food options. Um, when we were there at the Olympics. Awesome. Uh, next one. If you could go back and play one game over again, which one is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, one game over again. Yeah, I think it's a toss up between the U.S. game and the Japan game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know which one I would choose if I had to choose one. Um but yeah, I, the, the, both those games are just so close. I know. Well, you, well, you can't yeah. get much closer than one nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and just, I think, like, obviously, the Japan one hurt even more just because we knew right. after losing that we were out of the gold medal game. Mm. Um, but so yeah, I guess I would say I would say the Japanese game. Um, that's the one game I would love to play over. Like, it's hard though because looking back on it, like we did everything we could like we played our our best softball so like in reality there's no like yeah no regrets but right. like if we wanted to change the results that would be the game that i would like to change makes sense uh yeah. next one biggest thing you miss at brown university Ooh, um biggest thing i miss there's a lot of things but i don't know why the first thing that popped into my head was chicken finger Friday. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, it was like a big deal at Brown, I guess. So they would, they had two main cafeterias. Um, one was the Ratty and then one was the V-Dub. And at the V-Dub every Friday, um, they would have chicken finger Friday and the lines would just be like so long to get chicken fingers. And <laughs> I don't know why it was such a big deal, but, um, yeah, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. But I definitely miss just my friends and like being in Providence. Um, I really like the city there and just the the campus in itself. I think the buildings are so pretty and um, there's just so many so many things to do. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know why Chicken Finger Friday was the first thing that popped into my head. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm probably going to use that on social media when I promote this podcast now. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Gotta love them. Uh, next one, toughest pitcher you've ever faced? Oh, toughest pitcher I've ever faced. Um, I would probably say Ueno, um from Japan. Good choice. Uh, yep, definitely. Like, there's obviously so many tough pitchers out there, but I think with her, it's just. Um, like she has the speed and she has the movement, but like her accuracy is just right. like on another level. And I think her just being able to spot pitches and um, change things up with spin and all of that, I think it makes her pretty difficult to hit. Oh yeah. That's, that's freak as a pitcher. If you, <laughs> if you can put where you want the ball to go, that's huge. Yeah. Um, next one. If you had to live off one meal for a week, what is it? Oh, I had to live off one meal for a week. Um, I love 
breakfast. Um, so I don't think I would ever, I, w- I don't think I would get sick of it eating the same thing for a week. So I would have, I like these things called morning rounds. They're, um, basically like bread. sausages. Uh, we no, call- they're, it's like, yeah, it's like a bread. Um, I guess like a, kind of like a bagel, but flattened. I don't really know how okay. the correct term is, but I like that. And there's just like nuts and like fruit inside kind of, um, just adding a little bit more texture and taste. And then I would do two eggs, bacon, arugula, goat cheese. Like I love my breakfast and that's usually my go-to. So I think, um, I'd be pretty happy with that for a week if I had to eat it. Okay. I, th- I asked Joey Lai the same thing and she said pancakes. Oh yeah. That's totally- <laughs> as soon as you said morning food, I was like, Oh, Joey get you with the pancakes. Did she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one. Uh, your all time favorite movie. Oh, all time favorite movie. Um, I don't, do I have a favorite movie? I'm like the type of person that only likes to watch movies once. I don't know. Oh, actually, no, I have a favorite movie. Or one that popped into mind is The Rookie. Uh, with um good one what's his what's the actor's name quaid dennis quaid Quaid, yep yeah i really enjoyed watching that movie good movie my i have three (laughs) that i have had for my entire life and well i shouldn't say my entire life when they came out (laughs) so (laughs) for love of the game kevin costner uh Uh eight mile (laughs) okay i loved it and the first ever Karate Kid from 1984. <laughs> oh, okay. How how do you think about, or what do you think about the the newer one? The like the the one with Will Smith's son. Yeah, it was okay. I liked that the it was in a different place. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty much the same premise, but uh, you know, it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Any, I like those ones where the where the guy or the kid rises up and you know takes over the bully. Good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two more left here. Uh, if you could meet one person in the entire world and pick their brain, who is it? If I could meet one person? Yeah. Um, oof. I feel like I should have prepared for this. By... <laughs> That's why it's quick pitches. Boom. Yeah, yeah. I'm not making it that quick. Um, uh, Derek Jeter? Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm sticking with all the sports sports yep. stuff, but um, I think it'd be cool to to pick his brain, especially as a shortstop and a legend of the game, and just mm-hmm. um, it'd be cool to to learn from him. Absolutely. Last one. On a scale of one to ten, with ten being great, how are your karaoke skills? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Is this what this podcast is about? Am I going to have to sing? <laughs> no, I won't make you sing. <laughs> um, okay, I won't say that I'm terrible, but I'm definitely not a singer. Um, but I do, like, it depends on the song. I'll really have to be, like, feeling it and, like, into it or else, like, it's not going to be anything. Yeah. So I would say, like, at my best, I think I could get up to, like, a seven. Okay. Hey, that's that's pretty good. I rate myself around a five. <laughs> and okay. of, of course I had to use an F word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Janet, with, uh, as with every guest we have on here, we like to, uh, to ask them, tell us when and where you got starting the game. 
Um, I got my start back in, I would say 2000. So I was five years old, I think, um, or six years old. And I have two older brothers. Um, they're eight and 10 years older than me and they love playing baseball. So we, uh, as a younger sister, I would always tag along and go to their games, their practices. And, um, I think that's how I got inspired in the very beginning. Like as a younger sister, I really looked up and I still look up a lot to, to my two older brothers and I just wanted to be just like them. And I wanted them to think I was cool and could hang with them. And, um, so that's kind of how I got started with just like T-ball, um, and haven't looked back since. So was the love for the sport right there from the get-go or did it take time to develop? Yeah, I think I fell in love with it quickly. Like I was that kid that like just knew how, like I knew the rules. Like I remember in like my younger days in might and skirt, so like 10 U, 12 U, like just knowing like how the game worked with just like, for example, things on defense with like double plays with if I catch a line drive or a pot fly and the girl's off the base and like I can get her out, like simple things like that. I think um, I just understood the game at a young, at a young age. And um, I think I just, I don't, I can't remember like a specific moment where I was just like, yeah, like I love this game. I think it just like, it always was there. Um, so that's pretty cool to, to think back at like how young I was when I, when I fell in love with the game. Right. So how was the, uh, like growing up with, with your minor ball, how was, uh, did you guys have like a crazy travel schedule or was it like pretty much around like the same area? Um, in the beginning, I would say it was around, it was in the same area. Um, I started playing rep ball. So like travel ball in might. So I was pretty young. Um, but I think back then we didn't really go like super far as kind of, we played like in our own, like, like County, I guess with the, Mm -hmm. with the cities close to us. And we would play like weekly games against other teams. Um, and then like the furthest we would travel for tournaments would just be like maybe an hour or two drive, I would say. Right. So So, yeah, it started pretty, pretty small. So like at, at that point, like, did your parents play a big role? Like, in you, you know, as far as, you know, getting you through the games and, and all that? Oh yeah, definitely. Like my, I owe my parents so much for all the time they spent like driving me to softball practices and tournaments and, um, all of that. And I think, yeah, it wasn't until, um, I got older. So like end of high school, when I was driving myself to practice that I really like really saw like the sacrifices and all of that um, that they did for me with just driving to, to my games and practices and stuff. Like my mom would always just, um, be so like willing to do all that. And I think, um, I like just really, really am thankful for like all, all of their support and like love that they, they put into like keeping me or like helping me in the sport. Yeah. It's funny. You don't realize it till you, till you get to a a certain age and exactly how much they put into like getting you to getting you to the games, you know, paying for your registration, all that stuff. Like like you really don't realize it till you, till you get older. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, so what's there a point when you were like, you know, 
this is what I put want to put my time in on or or did you have other interests at the time as well that and you know that just came later on yeah I think I didn't really realize where softball could take me um I was pretty much just the girl that loved playing softball and like it was just something cool that I did outside of school and outside of my other sports but I didn't really realize where I could go or like where it could take me um, until I was in grade 10, I would say. Um, I think then was when I realized like, oh, like I could go to the States and play softball and go to school there. I can make the national team. I can do all these things. I think I was just a little naive and just like not really knowing what was out there. And, um, so in grade 10, I switched teams and, um, the team that I ended up playing for, they're, uh, heavily focused with just going to, um, showcase tournaments and just, um, like the main goal was to get a scholarship to go down to the States to play softball. And I think that was definitely one of the game changing moments in my career where, with where, like, I saw a lot of improvement with me as a softball player. And then I was also able to just like discover what I wanted to do in the future with like life, but then also with softball. Right. So what, uh, who, who were you playing travel ball with? Like, you know, where you yeah. actually got your experience. So I played, so that team that I played for ended up playing for is called Scarborough Rays. It was coached by Pat Acton. Um, and he's also like one of the, the game changing people in my life. Um, he, he likes to tell me stories about like when he like first saw me play and like when he like wanted to talk to me about like the future with softball and like how, how he could help with just training me and like making me a better player and like getting me a scholarship to go down to the States. Hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, I grew up playing with Miss Saga North Tigers. Um, and then moved to Oakville. And then after Oakville, um, that's when I played for, for the Rays. Okay. Right on. So what led to the decision to attend Brown university? Um, it's like weird looking back to that time. Cause I feel like it was so far, it's like so long ago. And then I was also just like a high schooler that didn't really know what she wanted. Um, but like thinking back, I know that my parents, really wanted me to seek like a like they wanted me to be able to follow my dreams and play softball but they didn't want they wanted me to still put my education first so like with going to brown it kind of allowed me to to do both mm -hmm. um which is pretty awesome and so with brown university like i think at the time i was looking at a bunch of schools and um with Brown, my, one of my travel ball coaches, like he was able to connect me with, with Brown's head coach. And like, he knew her from, um, he just knew her and he was able to start that connection for me. And, um, I think with Brown too, like, A, I could play softball there, um, go to a good school and get, uh, get good education. But I think with their program, like I was just really attracted to their open curriculum. I think, as a high schooler, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And at Brown, there wasn't a lot of pressure to like decide and like know right from the get go. Um, so that was one of the things that really attracted me to want to go to Brown. Right on. So what, what did you end up majoring in? 
I ended up majoring in business entrepreneurship, um, but I started with thinking that I wanted to be in the sciences. So I'm really glad that I had that freedom in the beginning to, okay, yeah. to really know what I wanted and kind of um, switch, switch gears. Right, right. So what do, you, what do you remember most about showing up on campus, you know, for that freshman, freshman year? I just remember, like, being in awe of the beauty of the campus. I think, like, I've seen, like, a lot of movies and stuff about, um, like, college campuses in the States. And I think once I was there, I was just like, whoa, like, the buildings are just so pretty. And then, like, all the people there. And, like, I think just, like, the college atmosphere was was one of the things that I remember most. Just being not in shock of, but just kind of, like, wowed by so was there like, was there an adjustment, you know, from being away from home, like new environment and whatnot? Yeah, there's definitely some adjustment. I think, um, just being far away from home and like far away from my friends from home was one of the bigger adjustments. Um, and then just kind of the scheduling piece with like being able to manage softball and school and studying and like other extracurriculars or just other, other things I wanted to do at Brown. Um, so I think like, yeah, the first semester was a little bit tough with just like figuring that out. But then there's also just like a great support system with like my teammates and like, especially the the upperclassmen being able to show us like how to manage all of that and still like live right. a balanced life um, down there. So yeah, it took a little bit, a little bit of time to adjust, but um it, it was pretty good after, after the first semester. Yeah. What, what's, what's campus life like, like at Brown? Is it like, you, you know, you, you think about Ivy League schools, you think, ah, oh, well, you know, they're, it's pretty laid back, but, uh, is it? <laughs> um, I would say Brown, in my opinion, was pretty laid back. Like there's definitely, um, I guess like the groups or the people that might not be so laid back, but I think I would guess like out of all of the Ivies, Brown might be one of the most laid back Ivies. Oh, okay. Um, but not in like, uh, like I feel like people still um, really care about like school and like doing all that. But I think they, we like, I guess everyone, the vibe is like everyone knows how to have that balance with their, with their life. Right. That's, yeah. that's a great thing to have is balance. <laughs> so <laughs> do you remember your uh, first game against Nebraska Omaha at all? Nope, not at all. What? <laughs> I didn't even know that that was the team. <laughs> yes, that was your first game. It was in Washington, I think. I don't even know if that's right. Well, um, you did play Washington your third game. You played, okay. You would have played against Vic. But your first game, uh, you went two for four with uh, a run scored. So, I mean, that's a good oh, debut. Wow. Hip five. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> that's um yeah, I can't remember. I don't have the best memory with that stuff. I know some of my teammates they can remember like each play, like each pitch, like from like games like 10, 10 years ago. But um <laughs> for me, like I, I really can't remember any of that. Nah, well, I'm I'm all about providing the stats for you right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate the little boost. So Actually, I want to I want to ask you about the how does the Ivy League schedule work? Anyways, is, is it different than say the Pac twelve or or the SEC? Like, like because mm -hmm. I, I I was going through the schedule and everything, and it and it seemed you know a little different. 
Yeah, I don't know if things have changed since I was in school, but when I was there, um, yeah, there's a lot more restrictions um, with like the amount of hours we could practice um, and then the amount of games we had to like, I know that our fall ball season was, was pretty short. We could only practice like maybe, I don't know if this is right, but like six to eight weeks. Um, and we, I remember only having like one tournament in the fall. Mm. Um, and then once the second semester of springtime came around, I remember having restrictions with just when we could start practicing. So I know that a lot of other schools and conferences people would come back early from their winter break just to start practicing again, um, like in January. Right. But for us, we couldn't start until February 1st to really get going with our season. And then there was also restrictions with when we could play our first game. So I think, I think we couldn't play our first games until that first week of March, or it could also be like that last weekend of, or that last week of um, February. Right. Um, and then yeah, just like throughout the week, we would have certain limitations with how many hours we could practice um, just so that we could have that balance with with school. Yeah. So obviously be, you'd be traveling away to play there at the first the first half of the season. I mean, because there's no way you're playing playing ball in Rhode Island at, in yep. March. <laughs> yeah. Well, like there's one year, I think it was my I don't know if it was my junior year or my senior year. Um, we actually like couldn't practice outside or or no, we couldn't get onto our field until like the second week of April, maybe, which was wild to think about Um, with just like, yeah, the winter was just a lot longer and pretty bad that year. And um, fortunately we were able to get some time on like the football turf and stuff, but we, yeah, we couldn't get onto our actual field until April. That's tough. I mean, (laughs) you know, going into a season, I mean, to actually get on the field that late, man, that's, mm-hmm. that, that'd yeah, be tough. It, was, it was tough, but I think, um, they're fortunate. Like they just got a new turf field, um, a few years ago. So, um, I think hopefully that will be, um, that will allow our teams to be able to practice a little bit earlier. Cause it was just like, our field was just, um, like frozen over and mm. there was no way to, to get into it. So now with the turf field, hopefully that won't happen. Oh, being from Canada, you must have been like, ah, oh, we can do this. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Even, yeah, I feel like every time like the cold came around, like that would always, always be like that, that answer, which is like, you should be used to this. Like you live in Canada. Don't you live in igloos? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I'm from Southern Ontario. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, crap. Um, so what was your biggest takeaway from, from your freshman season? Biggest takeaway, um, I think my biggest takeaway was just like how important it was to kind of just have that balance. Like not softball specific, but just like being able to be on top of school and um, be able to like show up to play softball. I think by like being able to... um, just have things sorted out with school. Like it allowed me to be able to like spend the extra time I wanted to, to practice and um, make sure that I was like rested and fully, fully there for the game. Um, I think just like being in that environment and like being able to travel everywhere and like have all this stuff covered by the school was pretty, a pretty cool um, realization, I guess my freshman year with just like 
how lucky I was to be at Brown and playing softball and like going all these different places to play games. And, um, also like just being with my teammates and like having that, that much fun. Um, I think, yeah, that's what I think about when I think back to my freshman season and what I got from it. Right on. So you'd have a pretty big moment that summer, uh, being named to the Canadian national junior team played in the WBSC worlds right in your backyard in Bramden. Uh, mm-hmm. first, what was it like to get the news that you'd be representing Canada and not only that, but be playing at home? Yeah, that was pretty surreal. I think, um, at that time that, like, I remember when I heard about like tryouts and stuff, it wasn't like, I still didn't really realize that I could be on that team. Mm. Um, so I think once I got named to the team, I was like, oh, whoa, like I can do this. And like, I made it for a reason. And yeah, the fact that I was able to play in Brampton and have all my family and friends out at the diamonds cheering me on and supporting me was amazing. And just, yeah, growing up playing at the diamonds, um, at the fairgrounds and like growing up playing there and then being able to play on the world stage at those same diamonds was pretty, pretty cool. And just being able to wear the Canadian uniform for the first time. Like our, our first game was, um, on Canada day. So it was a pretty cool experience. Oh, wow. And like, definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience to have that be my first time wearing the maple leaf. my chest. So, um, it's definitely a moment that I remember. Um, I don't remember the stats or anything, but I definitely remember, um, <laughs> the experience and how it felt. I didn't, I didn't get into the stats on that one. (laughs) You're safe on that one. (laughs) So, I mean, that had to be a pretty, you know, eye open experience for you, like getting to play against all these other great athletes from around the world. Yeah. And I think just like, yeah, like being able to play, I remember when we would just hang out in um, one of the facilities, I think just for like food, like just being able to see, all the other teams and like girls from different countries. Like I remember me and my teammate Aspen Searle, um, we just went around to each team, like wanting to like meet other people and just like take pictures with them just cause, hmm. um, it was so new to us and, uh, so cool to us. That's awesome. God, that's awesome. I think, uh, did Japan end up winning it? I think they, yeah, I think so. I think they, they beat, beat the U S in the final. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I want to go back to Brown here for a little bit more. Um, one big thing that I noticed was you were the only junior and senior in your last two seasons. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so with the Ivy league, because we're not on an athletic scholarship, we're not really tied to staying with uh, the softball team. If, if we want to go to school there, um, I'm actually not hundred percent sure how it works with other conferences, but I know that there's just more freedom with, if you don't want to play, um, that's cool. Like that's your decision. And like, you can continue studying there. And I think, um, after my freshman and sophomore year, um, the girls in my class, they just realized that they had other passions and wanted to pursue other things. So, um, I ended up being the only one sticking around for, yeah, my junior and my senior season. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nice that, or it was funny that they would always point that out. Um, but it was still nice. Just like my, my classmates, um, 
they're still like coming to games and like being supportive of our softball team and stuff. Just, it's just that they weren't on the team anymore. Right. That's pretty cool though. Uh, like at least they're, you know, still supporting the team. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, what, but what was it like? It must've been pretty cool being the only senior though, <laughs> like in your last season. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, yeah. Getting, um, a lot of love on senior day was amazing. Oh, um, did they call it senior day or did they call it Janet day? Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. They did call it Janet day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was awesome that I got all, all the love on that day. Uh, but yeah. No. Do you remember that last game? I remember at like your last your your last game at Yale. At Yale, okay, yeah, yeah. I do remember my last game at Yale. I know I hit a double at some point. Oh, good for you! Yeah, that's the only thing I remember. Was it a score? Did I score a run or? You, I don't remember. you guys I don't remember. were down. You guys were down one nothing going in the seventh. You hit a double to score two. You guys oh. come from behind to win three one. Wow. There you go. Not a, not a bad way to go out though. Yeah. Not a bad way at all. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was awesome being able to, our games versus Yale um, are always a lot of fun. Um, they're usually the, the last team in the IVs that we play. And um, unfortunately we're usually just like not, um, not in it to like go to the championship game. So usually our games are a little bit more fun towards the end. And um I feel like our teams have somewhat like grown close over the years. And um, yeah, those final games against Yale are always, are always fun. Right. So, I mean, out of your four years, I mean, what are some of your biggest memories at Brown? Oh, biggest memories. Um, Like softball specific or just. Oh, anything, anything really. Uh, I think just like. I don't have the best memory. I feel like I will have these all, all these great stories that I want to tell, but like I just draw them this quickly. Um, but I think for like softball wise, at least is just, we always had that one, one trip where we would go somewhere for spring break, spring break and like go somewhere warm and just be able to, to tour around. And I think it was my junior year that we went to California um, and that was a pretty cool experience cause we just got to stay out there. So we had a couple of days off to just tour around and, um, just explore the city. Um, and then also I would say another good memory from Brown was just my like last month of my senior year and just being with my friends. And then also just like knowing that we were graduating and kind of like, pretty much school was over by that point. Um, so that we were able to really enjoy, um, each other and then also kind of explore things in Providence that like we didn't have the chance to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like, I didn't really realize like how busy I was with just softball and like, I didn't truly get the chance to like really explore all of Providence. And I think in that last month we were able to take advantage of that time right on actually you just popped something into my head was uh when i was doing my research i come across the a youtube channel that you had oh. <laughs> i think i your to your research i think i need to uh ask you for some video editing tips because i mean you had some good videos on there with some maroon five and whatnot <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah no i like um i definitely like putting those videos together and 
it's just a nice way because I feel like my memory isn't the greatest. I like just having these videos to look back on. Wow. And, that and makes that makes total sense. Yeah, <laughs> I actually made them for the Olympics. Um, I'm really behind on on my weekly vlog, so oh, I'll have to, nice. I can't I can't to, wait to see that. Yeah, I'll have to upload them at some point. Oh, uh, so a little over two months after you're done, Brown, you'd make your uh, debut with the Canadian Senior National Team at the Japan Cup. Um, how awesome was it getting the call that you'd be wearing the red and white, you know, at the highest level? Yeah, that was very, I guess, I don't, like, I came in, I think, put it into words how, not shocked, but, like, how, I can't think of a word right now well, to use. Weren't you training with them for, you know, a couple of years leading into that anyway? Yeah. So I was in like the athlete pool after I was on the junior team. So I would go to selection camps every year, but just didn't have it to, to make the roster. Right. And actually before, before that summer, um, or actually no, yeah. Right. Before the summer happened, like I decided to take a leave of absence from school. Um, so I was able to just train and, and focus on softball. So to be able to be um, called up to that team then was just um, pretty amazing. Um, I remember talking to Coach Smith in the basement of that Holiday Inn in Surrey and just like him telling me that he wanted me to join them in Japan. And I was just so happy and um, uh, not relieved, but just like finally that I was able to to make that roster and to like get on the team and especially to go to Japan. Like that's mm. that was so cool and. I also remember uh, being a, like being handed my my senior jersey at that hotel by Megan Timpf, um, a former Canadian national softball um, player, and right. yeah. she also wore the number fourteen. So have having her be the one that handed that over to me, and especially because I I looked up to her a lot as a softball player and a, as a person too. So just having that whole experience was just. Um, I, I don't have, I don't know what, I don't have words. I feel like I'm at a loss for words to, to describe it. <laughs> right. So what, what, what was the biggest adjustment did you find? Like as soon as you get up there? Uh, up to the senior level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean that, you know, when you got to the Japan cup, was there, was there a big adjustment for you? Um, like I knew, like I was comfortable with the team cause I knew the players after going to many selection camps and like, getting called up to like some exhibition games here and there. Mm. Um, so there wasn't like a huge adjustment with the team. Like it definitely still felt like I was like not a part of the team yet. Um, and I think like mostly coach Smith bringing me to that Japan cup was just for that experience and like to be able to be with the team and like go out to Japan and like, um, get that experience. Like I can't, um, can't remember like we didn't play a lot of games out there um but i think the biggest adjustment was just like the level of intensity and just like how good people were i mm. think like that was just like i still didn't feel like i was at that level yet um but i wanted to get there and it was cool to to be able to like play beside them and to like learn from them so it was definitely just a learning experience i would say um for that first 
first Japan Cup with the team. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, once you get to that level, it's all about reps, right? I mean, <laughs> as soon as soon as you start seeing your reps and and pitchers at that caliber, you're you're going to get better. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's with any sport, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. So, I mean, I know. I know the 2018 WBSEs and 2019 Pan Am Games had to be pretty special for you. But before we jump into the Olympics, I mean, I gotta, I'd be silly if I didn't look back on those for you. Are there any big moments from either one of those events that are pretty special for you? Um, let me think. Like there, yeah, there are two definitely like big, big events. And I think especially with the world championships, like that being my first big event with team Canada. Um, was that in Japan too? Yeah. So that was in Japan. Um, cause I would say like with the Japan, the Japan cup in 2017, like I felt like I hadn't really made the team yet. Mm. Um, so like that off season had the leave of absence from school and was just able to train full time. And because I was in that athlete pool for a few years four years maybe and wasn't it wasn't working like I wasn't getting where I wanted to go so like by taking that leave of absence I was able to just fully commit to training and like getting better as a softball player and I remember once I officially got named to the roster in 2018 like I was just bawling I was like (laughs) I couldn't pull it like I think just like all the hard work that I put in and to finally have made the team and like at that point like I knew I was good enough to be there and that I, I belonged and like the improvements that I made um, allowed me to like finally make that roster. And I think, so like, yeah, that 2018 world championship in Japan, I think that just was really special to me having that been my first season um, with team Canada and just being able to go to Japan and like experience all of that on the senior team for like the whole summer, not just like the end. end. It's funny that I, I'm looking back through my notes and I always say about the red and white. It's funny now looking back, like pretty much the Canadian uniform has black in it, no matter what. <laughs> I yeah. should be saying red, white, and black. <laughs> <laughs> red and white definitely rolls off the tongue better. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, just funny. I was looking back and I was like, man, there's a lot of black in the Canadian uniform now. Um, so, so you guys qualify for the Olympics way back, way back in 2019. But honestly, it does feel like a long time ago now, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it really does. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about it on here a lot about Kaylee's walk-off home run, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, that you had six six hits and drove in six during the qualifier. Um, Maybe walk us through that qualifier and, you know, how special that was to realize you were going to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, I think when we heard that the qualifier was going to be in Surrey in Canada on home soil, I think we were all super happy that we could do that and qualify in our home, um, in our home city, I guess, Mm. since we've played so many games there at the Canada cup and like, we know the field and like, we know the environment, we know the area and like being able to play in front of, the home crowd and like knowing for example, like 2015, like playing in front of a home crowd with the Pan Ams, like how special that is, but then also how like important it can be too, with just like momentum and like all of 
the support from the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like thinking back to, to qualifying and being able to qualify on home soil was just awesome. Like we had all our families there and some friends there and just like how we did it too, um, was pretty special. Like with Kaylee's Kaylee's home run to the walk it off and just having us all be able to like be on the diamond together and like have that big celebration, um, was so special. And yeah, I feel like I still get goosebumps, like looking back at those pictures, um, with us just celebrating and, um, finally being able to do that. And especially like for the older girls who have been around waiting since 08, 09 and mm-hmm. being able to finally get to that place where like, okay, we're going to go to the Olympics. Like we don't have to qualify. Like we're there, like we've done it. Like the Olympic dream is still alive and it's definitely there. So, um, yeah, it, it, I still love thinking back to, to that time. So did you have the feeling that Kaylee was going to hit walk it off at that point? Because I talked to a lot on here and they say the same thing. Yeah. I remember just being in the dugout and like people were just kind of like, okay, like this could happen. Like, I don't remember if I was around anyone who like full, fully like said it. I can't remember. Um, but I remember like the thoughts were definitely there. Like I remember people asking like, okay, like what's the mercy rule? Like what's this? What? <laughs> but like, it was definitely like the thought was there. I think everyone was thinking it. And then once it finally happened, it was just like everyone rushing out of the, out of the dugout, going to home plate and, um, seeing like Raph just mm. running the touch home plate, just like that. All of that was just, um, pretty, I don't know. I, I think it's just cool to think back about. And well, I feel like I'm just, it, it was, a, it was a big moment in, you know, Canadian softball history. Yeah. Yeah. And just to like have her do it too, like her being one of the vets on the team and like being at the 08 Olympics and like sticking around till now. And, um, we were just, yeah, it was super special and I'm so happy that she was the one to do it. Mm, for sure. So you guys are getting ramped up to go and then this crazy pandemic hits. Now, yeah. I know there was a lot of different emotions for a lot of your teammates after speaking with a number of them on here. What did you go through at that time? Um. Yeah, like when the pandemic first hit, it was pretty shocking, like cause we were on a break. We actually like went back home. Um, it was like a planned one week break after Halifax, just to kind of touch base. And like before heading out to California, we just were at home and like recharging kind of, yep. um, but then that week turned into a long time. <laughs> I guess it did. <laughs> yeah. Well, a very long time. Um, but I guess when that all first happened, I was just pretty, I'm like trying to think about like how I felt, but I think I was just like very impatient, but then also just like frustrated with like all the unknowns and like everything changing. I think like I just wanted to play softball and I just wanted to be with my friends and my teammates. And I just wanted to go to the Olympics because I've been waiting however long I've been waiting like my whole life Um, to so have to have that be delayed. I was just very frustrated that I had no control over anything. And it was just kind of like me waiting around and like not being able to do anything. Right. So, I mean, looking back now, I mean, I can remember when you guys were down in Florida and then you guys went to, was it, it was it Illinois after that or 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I can remember that, uh, you know, you guys knew you were going to the Olympics, but then there was these rumors that, you know, it could be getting canceled. I mean, was yeah. there a lot of hesitation? Like, was there anything being talked about it? Like within the team, like, I mean, what's the question I'm trying to ask here? Like, was was there like any hesitation that it was going to be canceled again? Um, so are you talking about like this past summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like after yeah. you guys were after you guys got the word that you know the Olympics were going 2021, you guys went to Florida, you went to Illinois. Then there was the rumor going around that you know Japan government might shut it down. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I think like. For me, at least in the moment, I was pretty like I wasn't really checking a lot of news articles. And like I remember sometimes like my friends would send me stuff and I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see this. Yeah. But um, I don't know, like in my mind, I didn't like I knew that there was a possibility that the Olympics could still not happen. Um, but I think like my mindset and like our team's mindset was so like it's going to happen. Like we're going to train like it's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm we can't think about it possibly not happening. So it never really affected me too much. Like I would say there's definitely like a huge relief. Like once we stepped foot in Japan that we were like finally there and like the Olympics were actually happening. Um, but like leading up to that, like this past summer for me, at least um, I wasn't super concerned about it being canceled. Like I think I knew that I couldn't worry about that or else um it wouldn't be good for, for my mental health. And like, it wouldn't be good for the team. And like, it, it wouldn't be fair for fair to my teammates with me, like worrying about this and not being able to like stay focused on our mission. No, exactly. Exactly. Actually, you just touched on, I was going to ask you about how amazing was the feeling of, you know, finally getting to Tokyo and into the Olympic village. Yeah, it was, um, a big, relief to just like finally be there. Um, I think especially with the year postponement, like and all the unknowns and all the delays and all the, the what ifs and possible cancellations and like actually being there was just, um, so amazing to like know that we are so close to, to playing and to like finishing the mission and, um, to like actually be in the Olympics. Cause I think like throughout the summer, like once we made the team, like people would be calling us Olympians and stuff. But I think like for us, we knew that like we had to get there in order to right. make it feel real. Um, so yeah, once we got there, it was, it was pretty, pretty surreal that now, we were finally there. Were you guys, were you guys able to mingle with the other Canadian athletes while you were there? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Like we all lived in the same apartment. Um, like we had that, the same, the same section. So like different floors right. and stuff. Um, and it's easy cause like in the Olympics, they want you to just rep your, rep your country and where, where the gear that they provide you. So it's really easy to spot out like other Canadians. And, um, they had like a little, I guess, like hangout spot outside, um, of the apartments and they had like cornhole and they had a TV there, um, showing other Olympic games happening throughout the day. And, um, I think just like, whenever you saw someone wearing like team Canada stuff, you had, you'd kind of say hi or like give a head nod at least and just um, mm-hmm. acknowledge that you're part of the same team. Yeah. It's, it is pretty awesome. I mean, I mentioned about going to Canada. Actually you went to Canada games, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes. 20- uh, yes. 23rd. Was it 2013? 
Yeah, in Sherbrooke. Yes. Actually, yeah, well, that just reminded me of like, cause I, I got to go to the Canada Games in, in 97 and it was the same thing. You would see, you know, we all had the same opening ceremony tracksuits or, or closing ceremony tracksuits. So you knew what provinces was, you know, who was with you. And it was the same thing. And, and you know, going and watching those other events was pretty cool. I mean, cheering on other sports that you've never watched before and, and things like that. I thought, I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's like such a, that's the coolest thing about the multi-sport event, like being a part of a bigger team than just like your softball team. Mm. Um, and yeah, supporting the other teams. And yeah, I wish that we were able to do that um, in Tokyo. Unfortunately, we weren't able to, to go to the actual venue, but it was nice because they, uh, they had TVs for us in our apartment so that we could watch some of the, some of the games. And then also like once we came back, we were able to, to support the other Canadian teams by watching. Right on. So actually speaking about the crowds, uh, was it all just, was it disheartening at all? Like that you weren't able to have a crowd in attendance or were you guys just set on that end goal that it didn't really matter? Yeah. Like, yeah, it didn't really matter. I would say like, obviously we would have loved to have fans in the state, uh, in the, in the stadium and like our families and friends and all those people watching the sport. Um, so yeah, it's a little sad, especially being in Japan and like knowing how big of a sport softball is in that country. Right. Um, and then also the fact that it's not permanently in the Olympics, like this is kind of, um, like we were fortunate to have it in the Tokyo program. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's sad that there weren't fans, but then also we are, pretty prepared going in knowing that like there wouldn't be anyone. So it wasn't a huge shock to us. Um, and like we've played games before where there aren't a lot of people in the stand. So it wasn't, um, too different, I would say, but it was a little, it was nicer cause we could kind of just be more just like intimate. Like it was just like our team, the other team, but like there wasn't the distractions of like not being able to hear each other or like, seeing things in the, in the stands. Um, so it was different, but I think I'm still, I'm still happy with how, how it felt like playing in that big stadium in Japan. Oh, no, don't. I mean, I, I touched on it with uh, Erica on here and, and, and Kaya Parnaby about, uh, you know, what watching on TV, being able to like hear what you guys were saying, like you could hear you guys playing this day on TV. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I heard that. And, My friends were- and I mean, that. like, like, from that perspective, especially for like, you know, guys like me and other guys in the softball, softball world, like not even guys, like ladies as well. But, uh, you know, being able to hear that side of the game, and I'm sure a lot of people that are watching it for the first time and being able to hear everything, I mean, they must be like, oh, that's awesome, you know, hearing hearing you guys call plays or, or cheering everybody on. I mean, it, it, like you said, it was an intimate environment and it was awesome to listen to on TV. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the main reasons that people could really see the connection and like love that we had on our team. Mm. Um, like an inside look on like how we talk to each other, how we cheer each other on. And I just like the support that we have for each other. I think it's pretty cool and amazing that like, other people could look in and, and see that, especially if they like haven't been following our team in the past and like they're just watching softball for the first time. Um, I'm glad that they're able to to get that inside sneak peek. Absolutely. So how cool was it when Dan struck that final batter out in the bronze medal game? 
<laughs> yeah, that was just, I feel like even now thinking, like telling people just like that feeling and like how that whole moment went down, like it's still like just very emotional thinking back to that. Like finally completing the mission and like having her do it too, like her and, and Raph, like being one of the older girls on the team and like being away Olympians and like kind of having that full circle mm-hmm. moment for them and just being able to like celebrate together and like all the hard work that we've put in the past four years. And like, it was a lot of hard work and just knowing that it was all worth it and that we finally did it together. Um, just like that feeling of like rushing in to her and Jen and like other people that were in that circle mm-hmm. was um, like, I can't not smile thinking about it or talking about it. Yeah. Actually I never had this on my like notes in front of me, but I, I was wondering like how big was the leadership role that, you know, that, you know, Rafi and, and Dan and, and, Lauren and Jen played with your team, you know, in the fact that they were at the 08 Olympics. Yeah, it was huge. Like them just having that experience and like, um, not only at the 08, uh, 08 Olympics, but just like all like their whole softball career. Like, I feel like they were able to just like really prepare us for like how we would feel and like, um, like just being on at the, like on the Olympic stage, like biggest stage, like you've been working towards this your whole life. And like, you're kind of, you kind of just have all this pressure on you and like how to deal with that. And just like things that might come up or like things that they wish they did differently in 08 and just like being able to learn from them and like trust them and like look to them during those like high stress moments or like moments of doubt. Um, was so uh like game changing i think that um their role on the team and like how they helped us was just was just huge right on no doubt i mean leadership goes a long way especially like, mm-hmm. experience is huge when it comes to events like that no doubt um mm-hmm. before we get to player association i gotta ask about uh i'll try and get to say five for five softball <laughs> <laughs> that's that good uh, <laughs> I, I I tried. It worked. Uh, yes. That you, along with uh, Larissa, Jenna, Nat, Erica, started. Uh, tell us what that all entails. Yeah. So we we started this um, group called Five for Five, and um, we really just wanted to come together. So the five of us being in Ontario, um, it just worked out, and we knew we wanted to. Um, connect with the community and share our, our bronze medal win, but then also just like inspire and, and motivate people through our stories and like our experiences through softball, um, not only in this past year, but, um, our whole life. And, um, in the beginning, we weren't really sure like how we wanted to start it with just like, should we just do softball clinics or like, how do we want this group to work? Um, but we found that we want, we, we really want to connect not only with the softball community, but like anyone who is interested in, in hearing our stories and, um, learning from us. So we thought like having these speaking engagements would just allow us to really connect with people better. And like, there's no, like, you don't need to have a kid that plays softball to kind of like right. get to us, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's a super exciting, um, 
time right now for us just being able to like organize it and trying to figure out like how we can reach these communities and not only in Ontario, but like we want to be able to to go wherever people want to hear us. So West Coast, East Coast, like anywhere. Um, I think we're just we just want to be able to to inspire people. Nice. So how did that first session go? Because I saw you guys had that. Yeah, it was last Friday. It was good. Um, we got a lot of good feedback. And um, I know a lot of uh, young softball players really enjoyed their night. And um, yeah, we got really good feedback. And we're just also excited to like build on to our next event and like just take our learnings from this event in order to make the next one even better so that um, we can keep growing and keep inspiring more people. Absolutely. I can't wait to see it keep growing. Um, Thank you. On to player association. Okay. We end it with every podcast. <laughs> I'm going to throw some names to you. I'm trying to look. I was thinking, I was like, who he, who's he going to ask? Oh, you just wait. <laughs> Say as much or as little about them as you want. Ready? Okay. Yes. All right. I hope I get the first one, the name right. Yiram Park. Yiram. Oh, Yiram. Yes. Okay. So she was, um, she's a year younger than me. So she was a junior when I was a senior. Um, and we went to Brown together and she's an outfielder. Um, she's so sweet. She's like the nicest, cutest, like funniest person ever. Um, but actually, um, so my senior year, I was the only senior, but she was also actually leaving to go on a mission in Zimbabwe. So she wasn't going to come back to Brown to play. So that was technically like her final season too. So, um, it was senior day and it was technically Janet day, but like, it was definitely like Yerum day, like Janet and Yerum day as well. Um, and, um, I'm not super close with her now. Like I haven't caught up with her now, but, um, I know that like, if we were to hang out again, we would just pick up right from where we left off last time. Right. She was a pretty good hitter too, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She was, I feel like her swing, like, yeah, I feel like Shohei Otani, like her swing emulates Shohei Otani's swing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's not, legit. Not a, not a bad swing to emulate right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, next is uh, Leah Nakashima. Aw, okay. So like me, Leah, and Yuram were super close. Um, and yeah, Leah is the same year as Yuram, so you're younger than me. And um, we we're super close at school and we still, we still connect now. Um, she's our pitcher. Um, just, I feel like she just has such a light energy and like happy energy to her. And, um, she was definitely one of the ones I was closest to on the team. And, um, I miss her a lot. Right on. Uh, next one, fellow Mississaugian, Natalie Wyman. Hey, yeah. Saga. Um, <laughs> Natalie is one of the, like one who I'm closer to with on the team. Um, she's definitely, uh, I don't, she's definitely like helped me through just like starting out on the team and like just going through the grind together. I think, um, being from Mississauga, like we're able to just, um, hang out a lot, but then also just like when we're training together, I feel like we're able to, um, like we're, I don't know how to, I feel like I can't figure out words right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like she's definitely, I would say like one of my biggest support systems on the team. And like, we're able to kind of just 
be vulnerable about like the, uh, the struggles we're facing with softball and like being able to like turn to each other. And, um, I remember she tells me the story, um, usually with just like me and how I got started with the team. And, um, even before I made the roster, I remember her telling me like, Hey, like you need to be prepared and like, we need you because like when the Olympics come around in 2020, like you're going to be our short stuff, like you're going to be that person that we need to like take the time that you need to like figure out what you want to do with life. Like this was when I was, um, deciding whether or not to take leave of absence and just like her support throughout my whole journey, um, is really amazing. I really value her as a human and as a friend. Um, yeah. Nice. Did you get to, uh, meet Luna? I did. Yeah. I met her like when she was puppy, but I haven't seen her actually since like she was smaller. So like seeing videos of how big she is now, I feel like I need to go visit her. It's crazy how big Luna's getting. Uh (laughs) Uh, next is, uh, two more here. Uh, Emma Ansminger. Emma. Um, it was, so Emma, I was able to play on the junior team together in 2013 for the first time that was our, both our first times playing on the national team. And, um, I'm really tight with Emma. Like she's my left side buddy. Um, and she's just like the sweetest and kindest human being. Um, she also has just like this light and like energy to her. Like she, she has this like sense of calmness to her too. I think like, especially during those high pressure situations, like when we're, playing defense together beside each other. Like she's definitely someone I can lean on always. And, um, I'm really thankful to have her as a close friend in my life too. And I'm excited for us to continue playing together. Um, and just like growing together. Awesome. Actually, I gotta get her on the podcast. I don't, I I think there's like four, I think there's maybe four or five from the Olympic team. I haven't got, I haven't got on here and I'm going to get you on. Uh, and the last one I haven't had on either, Sarah Gronenwagen. Sarah. Um, yeah, so she also was on that junior team um, with me in 2013. Um, and there's just, like, such a cool person. Like, she is such a, like, her confidence and, like, um, how she carries herself, how she, um, like, who she is as a person, I feel like, is very cool to like look up to like she's just the most resilient human I feel like I've met like she's gone through some some health scares and stuff but able to Mm -hmm. persevere through it and kind of be just open about sharing her journey and her story and I think it's so cool that she's able to do that and is like vulnerable enough to do that to be able to like connect to people and just um yeah I think just like her sharing her story and like how strong of a person she is. Um, it's like really cool to be able to look up to her as like a friend and as a teammate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that latest post that she posted the other day about, uh, like uh, I read that and I was like, wow, like that hits probably a lot of people in your guys's game. Yeah. And I think just like, yeah, her being able to like openly share that and like not care about like what other people think, or even just like, being able to help other people who are going through that same situation, but like don't know how to, to process it or think that they're alone doing it. It's like awesome that she's just able to just be so, so open in order to help other people. And, um, 
let them into her, her world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, before I let you go, I forgot about one thing. <laughs> I <laughs> forgot to bring up CanFund. And oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you about CanFund. How big a part was that for you guys in your Olympic journey? Oh, I love that you're asking this question. Um, yeah, CanFund has been such a huge part of my journey, but then also a lot of my teammates' journey. Um, I'm luckily a multiple-time recipient, so I've gotten it a couple of times. Um, but this past season, they're able to support everyone who applied. So I think there's 13 of us on the team um, who got CanFund, and they're able. They surprised us on a Zoom call when we were in Florida, um, which is awesome. And like they, yeah, they've just played such a big role in my um, in my journey towards the Olympics, and especially with that year delay. Um, I got my first funding right at the beginning of the pandemic. So like right when things were like starting. So like I couldn't really go to a gym. We were kind of just on lockdown in Ontario. And I was just very, very, um, I guess, worried and stressed about like how I could still train and do all this with the Olympics so close. Like I was kind of going, I was coming back from an injury. So like I was just trying to like do everything I could to get back to where I was. And I was able to use the funding in order to get, um, weights and like lifting equipment just to like, kind of get my body back into like the place where I wanted to get to. And I think like, not only did it help me physically, but by being able to do that, it helped me mentally. So, um, yeah, like they're amazing. Like I actually started working for them this past month. So, um, now we're just trying to, rally behind the winter athletes going to, to, um, Beijing and just trying to help them the same way that, uh, they helped us. Awesome. So what, what is that? So do you, as a athlete, do you just apply for it and, and, you know, wait to hear back from them? Is that how it goes? Yeah. So they're, they have their applications, um, going on right now and athletes, if you're a Canadian national, actually, yeah, Canadian I don't even think you have to be on the national team. I think it's like, if you're representing Canada, you can apply for this funding, which is $6,000. And, um, they kind of try to fund as many athletes as they can. Um, it really depends on the the donations that come through. So they're, they rely solely on donations. Um, and yeah, they're just like a not-for-profit that really puts the athlete first and they truly like support the athletes and like their whole entire journey and like want to do everything they can for them. Um, it's run by Jane and Conrad. Um, and they're like the kindest and best human beings ever. That's awesome. That's such uh-huh. a great program they have set up there. Yeah, they really have. Um, well, Janet, I got to thank you for coming on. Uh, you've been a big part of the game here in our country, you know, for the last few years, and I'm sure you're going to continue to do so. Best of luck to you and the rest of the ladies with the five for five softball can fund everything going forward. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thank you so much.
yo, I finally got the truth from ya It took a bit, you'll recognize why The classified was never one to mess around with lies huh. It ain't my nature, total behavior Be opposite, dropping it I'll be the dopest MC rocking it Composer tracks, got your mind in the days And got you wondering how I can flip it every which way Lots of practice, hey yo Class brings tactics that make you bounce around Like you and your girl on the mattress Son, I'll stop you in your track with your weak style And you can speak foul, but can you really freak pal? Too many MCs on the mic sound the same It's kinda funny though, cause they're the ones that found the fame So what's I say, about the world and the music business I guess it's all about the bank and how much money's in it And half-life is like half-broke I gotta work the nine to five to put my own records out It ain't a problem, yo, keeps me focused on the mic It makes my skills tight, it feels right to shake the light So I'ma break it for the million MCs speaking raps They never see no money, no fame or no contract And yo, you know most of us won't See a million bucks, most of us will end up broke To me, that's what it ain't about, yo, I live for it Hip-hop, what's the best you can give for it? What you take me for, son? Another ten minute rapper. We're only in the game because it's friends in it. Blast your rhythms that leave your brain intoxicated. If duplicated, I'ma start this off and instigate it. So watch yourself. Or catch a lyric to that dome in seconds. I use my microphone to tear MCs apart in sections. I use my mind to amplify the situation needed and put them all together when my destination meet it. And now I'm at the spot for sure convinced it was never about talking it, all about rocking it and dropping it. From late at night to early morning, rappers on the mic will DJ. Focus on the form and change It's got my mental doing flips You come and do this game Think it's easy, y'all can do this So put the mic down Let an empty like me kick it Flip it, rip it That's how I hit it Ha! Are you downsizing? Maybe need more room because of additions to the family, or possibly seeking that dream home you've always wanted? Well, Tim Eisner at Royal LePage Atlantic is the guy for you. With a proven track record and multiple awards, Tim goes above and beyond to find out your needs and exactly what you're looking for. So if you're seeking a new home or trying to sell your current one, contact Tim at 902-499-5717 or check him out on Facebook at Tim Eisner. Again, that's 902 902- 499-5717. Trust me, when all is said and done, we'll be saying Tim Eisner strikes again.